Today we're going to take a deep dive into the man who pioneered the concept of ESG. He is the reason why Dylan Mulvaney got a Bud Light. He should actually thank Larry Fink. Larry Fink and seven other people in 1988 started a company called BlackRock. If you've never heard about it, it's a 10 trillion dollars of assets under management company that's more than any country in the world except for two ready china and us 1999 he takes the company public 7000 percent return today if you had a share in 1999 of blackrock to today you got 7000 percent of return and he's now sitting around saying you know the concept of esg is being weaponized there's a lot of people saying things about him trump tried to get close to him in 2020 schwartzman said good things about him when they parted ways elon musk on january 16 tweeted he said the word s in esg stands for satanic and he's talking about larry fink i don't think those guys are best friends who knows that may be the second fight after zuck and here's what the great charlie munger said about him he says i think the world of larry fink but i'm not sure I want him to be my emperor. Having said that, let's go learn a little bit more about this man, Larry Fink and BlackRock. So earlier this week, a survey came out on central bank digital currencies, and here's what it said. The results show that 93% of central banks are working on a CBDC. 18% of central banks said they're likely to use a CBDC in the future. And these banks represent 82% of world population and 94% of global economic output. So, so why is this important? Well, for me, I'm a pretty paranoid guy when it comes down to investments. I got a lot of equities. I got alternative investments. I got some crypto. I got things in them. I got collectible cars, but I also own a lot of gold because for me, I like to control my money. And this is why we chose to work with our new sponsor, American Hartford Gold. It's a couple things I like about these guys. They got thousands of reviews, five-star reviews online. They will ship the gold, physical gold or silver directly to your front door. You could even set it up with a gold IRA. If you got retirement funds that you cannot afford to lose, this could be a time for you to call American Hartford Gold, a precious metal dealer you can trust. Tell them I sent you and they'll give you up to $5,000 worth of free silver on your first order. So either click on the link below or call 866-939-6984. Again, 866-939-6984 or text the word PBD to 65532. Again, text the word PBD to 65532. Okay, so if you get value out of this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Let's get right into it. Larry Fink majored in political science, originally wanted to get into politics and make an impact. He decides to get into finance and starts working at First Boston Investment Bank in 1976, excels as a bond trader, very new compared to equity trading, top performer at First Boston, responsible for roughly a billion dollars to the bank's bottom line, a billion to the bank's bottom line. That's a lot of money at that stage of your career. Identify the power of computers and trading very early. In 1986, something happens, life-changing. He loses $100 million. He is humiliated and he quits First Boston after losing trust amongst his peers and the market. But at the time he was 36 years old. This experience for him was life-changing in his investment philosophy. It took him 18 months to decide on what he wanted to do next. Fink wanted to start his own business but needed investment money. Meets with Steve Schwartzman from Blackstone and makes a good impression. They start a joint venture called Blackstone Financial Management in 1988. Start making money in two weeks. By 1989, this is only a year later, Fink has $2.7 billion of money under management. And by 1993, Fink had $8 billion of money under management. Now, now, this time, Fink is obsessed with risk management. He became a pioneer in using statistical modeling algorithms to trade bonds. By 1994, BlackRock was managing $53 billion. The same year Schwartzman and Fink 
had an internal dispute over methods of compensation and equity. Fink wanted to share equity with new hires to lower talent from banks, while Schwartzman did not want to further lower Bankstone's stake. Fink wanted to leave but needed someone to buy Schwartzman ownership. PNC eventually ends up buying out Blackstone. The, the one reputation Larry Fink had at this time is the fact that he knew how to restructure toxic debt, and that's not an easy skill set to have, and he had. So this area that he specialized, it causes Fink and BlackRock to become known as the place to go to call for situations of wanting to restructure toxic debt. BlackRock spends years developing risk management software called Latin, which launched in 1999, the same year the company went public, offers Aladdin software to clients around the world. December 2000, Congress passed Commodities and Futures Modernization Act, banning regulation on derivatives. Big advantage, obviously, for BlackRock. BlackRock acquires Merrill Lynch Investment Management, expanding its retail and international presence. So at this point, he's got his independent name. He, you know, People know who he is, BlackRock, Larry Fink, no longer with Schwartzman. Then 2008 crisis comes. So this causes all the companies, including the government, to consult with BlackRock on what to do with the debt. Even Jamie Dimon called Fink for advice when the government asked him to buy Bear Stearns. So, so imagine the US government, as big as they are, the, the country they're running, they got all these options on who to call to consult them on this crisis that they're dealing with. Who do they call? Larry Fink from BlackRock. And why Larry Fink? Because they had to restructure toxic debt with Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, and Freddie Mac. And the next one, I remember this one because I was at the dinner when the CEO of AIG, you know, Bob and Moshe and the CFO David Herzog were in Chicago at Ritz-Carlton having dinner. They're talking about what they're doing when they collected $183 billion from the government, which they later on paid with $21 billion of interest. This next part, if you remember, AIG was like the biggest company. Everybody was talking about AIG, and then all of a sudden, AIG becomes the most hated company. So 2008 was a very big year for these guys, because in 2008, they were managing $1.3 trillion of assets compared to now, 15 years later, $10 trillion. So obviously, he sees this as an opportunity. And like, look, we dominated this whole toxic re, you know, debt restructure market. What's the next thing? He sees ETFs as the next thing. And eventually, they own the ETF market. Matter of fact, today, they own 35% of all ETF money is with BlackRock today. So now watch the evolution. He starts off, and while everybody else is trying to do stocks and equities, this guy's like, no, I'm going to go be a bond trader. Literally, nobody says, I want to be a bond trader. This guy does that. And then afterwards, he loses $100 million, teams up with Schwartzman, make a bunch of money. Then he says, guys, we got to split up. Then he's like, I don't know what I do next. Then they go into learning how to restructure toxic debt, then ETFs. And like, what do we do now? Guess who starts knocking on the doors for help? Ready? The Federal Reserve calls him for help. In 2020, the Federal Reserve calls Larry Fink and asks to help help them with the Fed prop up the entire corporate bond market by purchasing on the central bank's behalf. When corporate bond rates spiked, the Federal Reserve went into panic mode. So a spike in corporate bond rates creates financial instability because it makes it more difficult for businesses to access credit, leaving them unable to fund day-to-day -day operations. So this caused the Fed to want to buy bond ETFs, which BlackRock offers through iShares. The Fed ultimately contracted BlackRock to strategically carry out the Fed's purchase of commercial mortgage-backed securities and corporate bonds. So you may ask, why does the Fed need BlackRock? Isn't the Fed like the government? Why do they need BlackRock? Is this kind of like back in the days when the U.S. government needed Chase? Very similar to it, but here's why. For its expertise in evaluating and managing different kinds of debt like portfolios of corporate bonds, something that's not a main skill set of the central bank. So what does BlackRock get in return for doing this? Number one, $48 million per year for its work on behalf of the Fed. Number two, unlimited social credit. Number three, power. Number four, influence. 
Obviously, Larry Fink doesn't need another $48 million, but he does need the social credit, the influence, and the power. So some of you may say, Pat, $10 trillion, who cares about $48 million? Of course, who cares about $48 million? But does he care about social credit, power, and influence? Yes, because that's how ESG got its influence because of this opportunity. In his annual letter he sent on October 20th, here's what he said. Larry Fink declared that a fundamental reshaping of global capitalism was underway and that his firm would help lead it by making it easier to invest in companies with favorable environmental and social practices. Fantastic, right? I mean, obviously, these ESG companies with high scores are definitely worried about the climate and the environment. Absolutely. For example, Exxon, they're very worried about the environment. Philip Morris, for sure, they're very worried about it. But Tesla, uh-uh, not Tesla. They have a terrible ESG score because, no, I don't think Tesla cars want to take care of the environment. Do you see the hypocrisy? This is when people started saying, what is all this ESG stuff you're doing that's causing this Dylan Mulvaney to get a Bud Light? Did Larry Fink cause that? Based on what he did next with ESG, it was on him. So it's important to realize why this took place. BlackRock drove a significant part of that shift by inserting its primary ESG fund into popular and influential model portfolios offered to investment advisors who use them with their clients across North America. The huge flows from such models mean many investors got into an ESG vehicle without necessarily choosing one as a specific investment strategy or even knowing that their money has gone into one. Meaning, if you got a 401k, if you got a mutual fund, you got an ETF, you may have some of your money into a company that's one of these ESG funds. In short, an apparent BlackRock-led rush of investors into ESG in the past two years has been something of a self-fulfilling prophecy, at least when it comes to the biggest such fund on the planet, a BlackRock exchange-traded fund that trades under the ticker, ready? ESGU is what the ticker is according to the data from BlackRock and Morningstar. So, so why is this important? Why is it important to have all this control in these companies? Let me explain to you why, because there's voting going on, right? So the significant situation in these index funds vote could determine whether a vote passes or not, both for proxy contests and for environmental, social, and governance matters. And even when votes are not close, the outcome of votes can play an important part in influencing the behavior of corporate managers. And by the way, what I just read this last part is from an article in Bloomberg titled How BlackRock Made ESG the Hottest Ticket on Wall Street. The title should be How BlackRock Used ESG to Control 88% of S&P 500 Companies. Why 88%? Because BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street combined are the largest shareholders in 88% of S&P 500 companies. So imagine these three are best friends at the top and they get to push their weight and say, hey, you guys got to do this. Hey, you need a little bit more of this. Hey, you better do this or else we're not going to give you the money on the back end when you need it or 88% of the companies they can control. So now you may say, oh, come on, Pat, like, why do we have to be worried about this? What's the big deal with this? Look, in politics, a lot of times we'll talk Republican and Democrats, but the reality of it is really it's a establishment versus anti-establishment. Establishment is driven by control and thinking they know what's best for you. So let me give you an idea of what is establishment. BlackRock employs several executives who came out of George Bush's administration and more than a dozen from Obama's administration. Let me give you an idea of who. That's Obama's national security advisor, his senior advisor for climate policy, the former Federal Reserve vice chairman, and several White House Treasury and Fed economists. Why is this important? Because there's something called lobbying. And take a look at what they're doing with lobbying here. 
So if you look at this chart, you'll see how much money they've been spending every year on lobbying. And if you go to 2022 was their biggest year. And by the way, a former recruiter from BlackRock said it only takes $10,000 to buy a senator. This is a big business model to get laws in there that they get to have more control and influence over what happens with investments. Pretty crazy when you think about it, right? So, so this guy, again, goes from bonds, something nobody wants to do, teams up with Schwartzman, then learns how to restructure toxic debt then ETF, then 2020 Fed needs his help, then ESG, and then all of a sudden, even though in 2017, he called Bitcoin an index of money laundering, and he said this on Bloomberg and CNBC interviews. You know what he just did? He just shocked the world, by the way. By announcing BlackRock applied for a spot on Bitcoin ETF as of June 15th. So he bashes Bitcoin. Now he's like, guys, you kind of got to start a Bitcoin ETF because there's a lot of money to be made here, guys. But let's do it quietly. Let's make sure nobody sees that 2017 quote. None of us get everything right, but this is a guy that knows what he's doing when it comes out. Bitcoin is what he's looking at. Very weird, very controversial, but this could be his next big move. So by the way, if you're watching this right now, says this guy a good guy or a bad guy? You got to give the guy credit. He went from where he was at to winning in so many different things, especially after the big loss. He had $100 million and he's humiliated for 18 months. Then he comes back and recreates himself and boom, goes to the top and gets all this money. He's a billionaire. He's got all this power. But is this guy a good guy? We're talking amongst each other here and talking about him versus Soros. And, you know, he's saying Soros is like Joker. You know, he's the agent of chaos. And no, no, he's more Lex Luthor. He is the guy that's low-key professional, looks good on the outside, but he's going up against Superman, who's a good guy. But at the end of the day, he used capitalism to get capital to then control the companies to impose certain philosophies, ESG, you better have this many employees, you better do LGBTQ. What? That's none of your business to do that. And it's got nothing to do with climate and social and let's take care of the world type of stuff. Because if that was the case, you should have given Tesla a higher score but you're giving Philip Morris a higher score than Tesla because Philip Morris follows your guidelines. That's when you lose somebody like me. So if you're watching this here right now saying, look, why would Elon Musk call ESG on January 16th on Twitter? Why would he say the letter S is satanic? I don't know. So if you're a fan of Elon Musk, Elon is not a fan of what this guy is doing. But if you're a fan of George Soros, George and this guy are on the same team, trying to control a lot of the companies in the marketplace. They go about it in a different way, but my biggest suggestion for you is to go do your own research and find out what's really going on here. So if you got value out of this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. If you want to learn more about ESG, we did a complete different video on the history of ESG and what's behind it. If you've never seen it, click here to watch it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.